Hey everyone, it's Vic here. Uh, welcome to our Good Friday service. Uh, so glad you could join us, especially if you're a guest. Uh, our message to you this weekend is that God loves you. Uh, God loves you like XO. That is our catchphrase for this uh, weekend. And maybe you're thinking of text messages or the John Mayer song. We want to redefine it. Uh, the X represents a cross, you know, the bloody cross of Jesus. And that O is the empty tomb that signifies the uh, glorious and victorious resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Um, because when we talk about the love of God, uh, we don't want you to just think of some kind of sentimental love like the signature at the end of a text or, or a simple love. Um, we don't want you even to think about the cross in terms of, uh, you know, a jewelry item that you wear around your neck or, you know, a charm, and a bracelet around your arm or maybe earrings in your ear. For us, the Easter weekend is, a, is an opportunity for us to reclaim and to restate and highlight the significance of that symbol saying you know what and who the cross represents and so we yeah we push the chocolate eggs and the you know fluffy bunnies aside uh, and we uh, we look at at the the x uh, on friday the cross and we look at the o the the empty tomb on sunday and so we hope you would journey with us uh, all the way through this weekend um, i want to kick it off by just reading a classic scripture classic to christians that is uh, john chapter 3 verse 16 and I base today's message on. And, um, you know, over the ages, millions of people literally have come to faith in Jesus and, and have believed the gospel because of the truth that is found in these verses. And if you're a guest with us today, uh, I, I firmly believe that, that these words, especially if you're not a believer, uh, these might be the most important words that you would ever hear in your life. And so I want to invite you to journey along with us and to, to, uh, to explore the truth that is found in these verses. Uh, for the next couple of minutes uh, today. So I have my Bible with me, um, but you can follow along with me up on the screen. John chapter 3, verse 16 to 19. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. This is God's word. Right from the start here, you can see uh, God's love being highlighted for God so loved the world and I just want you to think about that I want that truth just to sink in for a moment because we all know what a powerful force love is um, especially if the person that loves you is of significance in your life and here it's telling us that God who is arguably the most important person in the universe loves the world he loves you and he loves me uh, and you know that love is not just uh, you know a feeling, but love is more like an action, at least true love. It's a verb. And it tells us here the actions of God. God so loved the world that He gave, that He sent His only Son. And so we see the generosity of God in not just giving anything, but giving of Himself, giving His Son. That's an incredible thing. And, and we see His generosity not only in who He gives or what He gives, but to whom He gives it to, who He gives it to, to, to whoever would believe. Uh, and God loves the world, 
This is, this is an incredible generosity extended to all of us. And this verse says that whoever believes in Jesus, whom the loving Father has sent, um, will not perish but have everlasting life. And I want to, I want to highlight the fact that, that this is about faith in Him, belief. Uh, it's not about behaving for Him that would result in us being saved, but believing in Him. And, and you know, the, 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 the word believe is described in the New Testament, not just as a kind of a nodding of your head uh, or, or kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with, with that idea or, or, or I believe, you know, in God, but it's a deep dependency upon Jesus and what He has done. And I'm, hopefully I'm, I'm, I'm able to help make sense of that and, and to just show you the need for this belief. Often uh, it's said that we believe on Jesus as if it's a, a foundation upon which our lives are built. And, and the need for that is apparent in, in, in some of what we read here when it says that, that uh, God does not want us to perish and those who do not believe in Jesus are already condemned. You know? So there, there it shows you the need for this belief in Jesus. Um, it says these things are already in motion. It's not a sense that, well, let's see how things pan out. Let's wait and see. It's actually, if you do not believe in Jesus, you are already condemned. There's no wait and see here. And that sounds like a problem uh, to me. I don't know about you. Um, and, and I know at the end here, it says that uh, their works were evil, you know, because they loved darkness and they rejected the light. And so maybe you're saying, well, you know, surely the answer, therefore, is that the works would be good. Like, wouldn't just behaving well fix the problem of us heading towards being, uh, perishing and condemnation? And my answer is, is, is a no. Um, I want you to see that actually this, this, this offer here is not about offering a good record to God, but actually about being brought into a relationship with God through what Jesus has done for us. Um, otherwise, as it says here, without Christ, we stand condemned already. And that's maybe not a popular word. It's not a nice one. I'm going to maybe use a few of those today. But yeah, I think that condemnation is something that, that we're all uh, pretty familiar with these days. I just think of this call out or this cancel culture that we are currently experiencing in our day where if you've done something wrong in, in your past or you've said something wrong or you've published something wrong, um, somebody might dig that up, it might be rediscovered, and I tell you, that could come back and bite you uh, really badly. Uh, uh, and, and you just see the apologies that people make and the, the retractions and the naming and the shaming that happens uh, as a result of these things. Those are all examples of how people uh, are condemned and then they should pay and make payments for their past sins, you know, through these apologies, etc. Um, you know, I was laughing the other day thinking, you know, in the old days, you'd be able to put a tattoo on you that says, you know, only God can judge me. But it feels like that's an irrelevant tattoo in our day, like only maybe two, two decades later. Uh, people wouldn't understand that because society is pretty judgmental. I think there's judgment just everywhere around us. Uh, and, you know, that points to a greater reality that one day there will be a judgment day. There will be a reckoning day where every single one of us will actually stand before God one day. But here's the thing. We will stand before not fallible human beings like the ones that are currently pointing fingers at one another and at the same time have a few fingers pointing back at them. Um, but actually we will stand before the perfect human, Jesus Christ, the, the God-man, God who became flesh. Uh, we will stand before Him one day and give an account, you know. Uh, the people around us right now are the least of our concerns, honestly. Um, it's Him that we should be mindful of. 
And you know, when judgment happens uh, around us, you know, we judge people by their actions. But it's quite interesting that so often we would prefer people to judge us by our intentions, right? And you can even just see in the apologies that people make, you know, when they've called out or, or almost canceled, you know, often they would say, it wasn't my intent to hurt anybody. It wasn't my, it wasn't what I wanted to do. You know, I'm, I'm really sorry. Judge me by my intentions, not by my actions. Um, and yet, when we stand before God one day, there's a sense that even though we would have actions to show, God is able to see the intentions and the motivations behind that. And actually, God is able to see. If you're honest, you know that even our motivations, our intentions are corrupt. And although our intentions may result in good deeds, they are not always motivated well. Like we don't do them necessarily to honor God, to, to, uh, to love Him. Often we do them uh, for self-centered reasons, even though it's good things that we do. Uh, and that's why, actually, at the end, your good deeds will not outweigh your bad deeds, you know, because we've just established that, you know, even our good deeds are corrupt and defective deeds because we don't honor God in the, in the way that we do them. Um, they're not done for His glory. And so actually all those good deeds are actually uh, actions of rebels, you know, people who want to live apart from God, autonomous lives, do our own thing in our own way. And so therefore, we have a bad record regardless. So that's why it's, this is not about having a good record to fix the problem. Um, I love what 1 John chapter 4 says about our state. Let me, let me read that uh, for us. Um, 1 John chapter 4 verse 9, it says, in, uh, this, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, that not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sins. I'll make sense of that word propitiation in a moment, but actually uh, it says here, it's not that we have loved God. There it is, it's that we have failed to love God and actually failure to live our lives in honor of Him and to love Him as we ought to which is, by the way, one of the commandments, Jesus said, the greatest commandments, to love the Lord your God with all your heart. That is not a trivial thing. That actually is committing high treason against the creator of the universe. It's a serious sin. And it's not about the little things that we do, the little crimes we do. Actually, it's a relational crime, the fact that we have failed to love Him. And therefore, you and me, all of us actually, apart from Christ, actually would stand condemned, already condemned, before God. So how does that make sense? You know, how do we make sense of that? Because if we are standing before God condemned and God is just, then there should be a penalty for that. Absolutely. But we also read that God is loving. And so we will discover now that it is the love of God that was willing to meet the demands of his justice, of his, of his righteousness, because God made a plan. He says he didn't want the world to perish, but he sent his son to save the world through him. How does that work? What did Jesus do? What was this plan of God? Because it tells us that whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned. If you reject Him, you're already condemned. If you believe in Him, you're not. How does that happen? Well, the, the, the word propitiation gives us a clue that we read in 1 John chapter 4. Because that means to appease the wrath of God, to satisfy the wrath, wrath of God. And so Jesus, obviously, therefore, was condemned in our place. He absorbed the wrath of God upon that cross. That is why this Friday is called good, because it was diverted from us 
to himself. The wrath of God was spent. You know, the Bible says that Jesus drank the, 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 it to the dregs, the, the, the cup of God's wrath on that cross. That's an amazing thing. You know, I, I, I think of another metaphor the Bible uses of God being a shield, being our shield. And a shield is the thing you put in front uh, so that you, the shield may absorb the blow instead of yourself. And Jesus absorbed those righteous blows uh, of God that should fall upon us because of our sin. Uh, it fell upon Him. It's amazing. A friend of mine walked, uh, well, talked about uh, a, a ranger in California walking uh, uh, around outside after those crazy fires they, they had a few years ago. And he said he stumbled upon a, a, the carcass, a burnt carcass of a, of a mother eagle. And of course, was devastated by that. You know, I kind of went down, reached down and picked up this mother eagle. And to his surprise, he found out that underneath her, her charred wings were alive chicks. This, this eagle protected her, her children by dying uh, as, as the flames went across her. And it's such a beautiful picture of, of what Christ has done for us on the cross, that he stood in between us and the holy anger and the holy wrath of God against our sin and took the punishment that we deserved. Um, that's why we can, as Christians, talk about forgiveness from God, total forgiveness. Why? Because, you know, to forgive someone is to say, I don't, I don't no longer require you to make a payment to me to pay for the sins and how you've wronged me. Um, that's why the word give is in the word forgive. Uh, it's a generous move. And to receive Jesus uh, is to have God no longer hold uh, our sins against us any longer because uh, he held it against Jesus. Um, uh, but the amazing thing is, is that forgiveness does not does just remove justice. You know, it wasn't just like, okay, well, it'll just sweep what you did under the carpet. Actually, it, it, we, we call it grace when, when we receive forgiveness. You know, it, it comes to us at no expense, or our expense. But God calls it justice because it did cost God. God sent His Son. He gave His Son. It is an amazing thing. Uh, it's paid. Our, our sin is paid for in full. And that's why a Christian will stand in front of God one day with a receipt that says it's paid in full. It is finished. Uh, those who reject Jesus would stand with an invoice, really, that says the amount due or payment due. Uh, and I want to ask you, what, what would you have in your hands when you stand before God one day? Would you have a receipt that shows that Jesus paid your sin? Or would you reject Christ saying, it's fine, I'll, I'll, I'll deal with it myself. Because the Bible says, as we've read together, that you stand already condemned. It's not enough. You're not able to, to fit the tab to pay the bill. Another uh, picture that the Bible uses is that of a, a ransom, that Christ paid a ransom for us. You know, and Hollywood makes us think of you know, a baddie who takes a person and calls someone else and says, I want a price if you want them back. Uh, and you know, we can easily think, oh, okay, that makes sense. There's the devil. You know, he took us and God brought us back from the devil. But that's actually not how it works. That actually this payment that Jesus made was actually received by the Father, by God himself, because the sins were committed against him. And so when the Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, the, the first condemnation is the condemnation of the Father, that, that actually we are saved from the final judgment when we would stand in front of God one day. We would not be judged because Jesus was judged already. Now, of course, the, the enemy and other people could 
accuse us falsely and, and because we stand secure in front of the only person whose opinion matters, God, we are not affected by the lies of condemnation by others if we're Christians because we know it's been taken care of. But the first thing that we save from is the condemnation of God. And that's incredible. It makes God both the, the giver, you know, he paid the price, but he's also the receiver who receives the price, you know. And that's why Christians, we just make so much of Jesus. From start to finish, he gets the credit, he gets the glory. You know, Soren Kierkegaard says this, Christ has not only spoken to us by his life, but also spoken for us by his death. And so maybe as a guest, you're listening, you like the idea of Jesus and his good teachings. And you say, yeah, I like the fact that he speaks to us, you know, through his life. But actually, the question I'm asking you is, has he spoken for you by his death? Not just a good teacher, but is he your savior? That is what this verse is all about. It's this beautiful hymn from the 1800s called Here is Love. Now remember, we're saying God loves you like XO. Well, listen to what this writer writes. He says, here is love, vast as the ocean, loving kindness as a flood, when the prince of life, our ransom, shed for us his precious blood. Goes on to speak about the, the crucifixion. On the mount of crucifixion, fountains opened deep and wide. Through the floodgates of God's mercy flowed a vast and gracious tide. Grace and love like mighty rivers flowed incessant from above. Heaven's peace and perfect justice kissed a guilty world with love or kissed a guilty world in love. There it is. There's no condemnation for us, not because it's just magically gone away, but because it has already happened. Jesus was condemned in our place. And that's why we can be so sure of, of not being condemned, because we are so sure of the death of Jesus that happened 2,000 years ago, that verifiable historical fact that he died in my place for my sin. And so the, the promise goes on that those who believe in Jesus would not perish, but have eternal life. What is eternal life? And Jesus made it very clear. John chapter 17. I'd love to read that for you. He says in verse 3, his own words again. He says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That is eternal life. Actually, to perish is actually not to know God. Here you can see again, it's not about uh, uh, you know, having a good record, but having a relationship with God. And by the way, we'll look at that maybe on Sunday, just the, the, the good record of Jesus that actually gets given to us as well. You know, he, he supplies us with the good record that we need, but He brings us first into a relationship with Him by paying the debts for our bad record. And to know God is to have eternal life. To know Jesus is to have eternal life, is to not perish. Because in the end, as this John 3:16 onwards said, that it's rejection of Jesus that results. You know, often we think in perishing, often we think that, you know, it's, it's the bad things that we do. But I even showed you in the beginning, that it's the good things that we do that can result in judgment because of the bad motives behind it. And so it's not got to do with your, your record. It's got to do with your relationship accepting or rejecting Jesus. And I appeal to you as a listener today, would you accept the gift? Would you accept Jesus? Because it's not about tipping the scales. We, we, the scales will always be tipped negatively in terms of our records. It's about being in a relationship 
with God. It's important to know because sometimes, you know, we can hear the words of condemnation and perishing and we go, yeah, yeah, I don't want that. And, and just nod and say yes to, to whatever, you know, a person like me is saying. Um, but actually, we're not saved necessarily from judgment, from hell. We are saved also for God to be in relationship with Him. You know, the Bible says that when we are saved, that we are brought into a family, God's family, God's kingdom. And what's the point of being adopted into a family if you don't have access to the arms of the Father, the Father's arms? Because actually that is the only thing that would make you eternally and ever increasingly happy is to have God Himself, not just to have like, you know, the assurance that, oh, you won't, you won't experience condemnation and, and perishing and judgment. Actually, you don't need to be a Christian to, to want that. I mean, even Satan and the demons wouldn't want to be judged. Um, and so that's not a good enough reason to say yes to this. You need to say yes to God. Eternal life is to know God and to Jesus Christ whom He has sent. That is where true fulfillment is. And so, you know, Jesus got canceled on that cross. And in doing so, He actually canceled our debt that we owed. Jesus was rejected on that cross so that you and I can be accepted into God's family. He died on that cross so that you and I could live. And He did that because He loves you. He loves you like XO. A little quick news flash here. You know, He doesn't love you, as we've said, because you're amazing, because you've deserved deserve that. Actually, He loves you because He is awesome, not because you are awesome. I want you to know that. The only explanation of God's sacrifice for you and me, it, it cannot be you and me. It can only be the grace and the riches of His grace, as Ephesians 1, 7 says. I know Jesus didn't die for you because of your worth, as I've just said, but you have to know that, that you are worth something because of His death. That's how it is. The price that He paid for you actually increases your worth, but not to make you proud, going, oh, I must be pretty amazing that He died for me. It's to humble you. Now, all we as Christians can say is, God is amazing. You know, in humility, we, we cannot say, I'm amazing. Not at all. And I mean, that's the culture of our day. Um, you know, just as a side note, it, it tells you that you're a snowflake, that you're unbelievable, that you're amazing, you can be and do anything you want to do, that you are incredible. Um, but actually, that is not the answer. God is incredible. You know, if, if we live according to the mantra of this culture, uh, it's kind of like chewing gum, really. You know, you put it in your, in your mouth, it, it has a nice flavor, but eventually... The flavor runs out and you're just tired of chewing and chewing. You can't even swallow it. It's not going to sustain or nourish you at all. That's what it is to live for yourself. That's what it is to elevate yourself. Uh, Short-term enjoyment, long-term consequences. But to see the amazing grace of God, that is where life is found in. I want us to end off with communion together. And I want to read these words of the song that we're going to sing together. Our musicians have prepared that for us. How deep the Father's love for us, which highlights some of the truths that we unpacked here out of these verses today. It goes like this. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch. That's right. I'm not amazing. He's amazing. But in dying for me, he makes a wretch his treasure. How great the, sane, the, the, the pain of searing loss. The Father turns His face away as wounds which mar the chosen one brings many sons and daughters to glory. 
It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ. I'll boast in his death, X, and his resurrection, O. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart, his wounds have paid my ransom. I want to say to you, God loves you like XO. Now we're going to take communion together. And this is a moment that's meant for Christians as we sing that song together. And if you disagree with the words of that song or you disagree with the words of the sermon, well, then I want to ask you to sit this one out. But maybe as I've spoken, you've identified with much of what is said. You agree and, and, and you want to put your faith in Jesus. You want to take the gift that God offers, that He's giving you. You want to admit that you are a sinner and you need a Savior. Well, this is the moment where you say these elements represent the means through which He saves you, that He died in your place. He gave His body, He shed His blood to pay for your sin, to absorb God's wrath so it may not fall on you, but it fell on Him so that you would be free from condemnation and brought into a relationship with God. This is why God died in your place because He loves you. I want you to experience that now. And Christians, let's, let's take communion, celebrating this truth that we've been saved. Not because we're amazing, because He's amazing, that He's generous, He is good and kind. So let's sing that together now as we take communion.